five, four, three, two, one, and we're live. We got Patchman Phil in the studio today. Phil, how are you doing? What's going on? We're doing some cool things here. Tell the people a little bit about who you are and uh, how the two of us actually met. Um, well, so we actually, we're like friend mates, you know, like soul mates of friends. You know, we finally just met, you know, over a year ago. But um, basically that uh, I'm dating your cousin who, Jenna, love you. Shout and, out to Jenna. And um, I don't know, we get along a lot. We like video games. Passionate Met fan. Uh, Patchman Phil, as you mentioned. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about my fanatics. Uh you know, mess fandom and uh, have some fun. Excellent. Well, let's lead off on that because I actually think you're almost like the second coming of Cowbell Man, except you're a lot more stylish and you have all your teeth. Um, <laughs> Man, my ego's already going like this. <laughs> it's all good. I really think in many ways, last year, which was, at least in my opinion, a horrific year to be a Mets fan, given that Jose Reyes took the mound, <laughs> among other things. But I felt like your spirit and the whole, fuck it, we're Mets fans, we go hard. I think it really encapsulates the whole you gotta believe spirit. So I commend you because honestly, if I had to point to one Mets fan for like what Mets, the New York Mets are about, you're one of the first people to come to mind. Well, that's a, first of all, a huge compliment. Thanks, man. No problem. Um, yeah, you know what? Like, so the thing about Cowboy Man, right, or like Pin Man, and these these fans are like they they're people who um, like who are always there to have fun, even if the team sucks. Yep. So, and these are like sixty year old men. So. I kind of want to be that guy of the next generation who who's always going to be there to have fun. I have random people now who like I would not know before this, and like they'll say hello to me. You know, they'll say hello to Generic Games. Like I'm at a point now where I get free sausages and peppers from shout out to my boy Rodney. You know, chef at City Field. Rodney. Um, and it, like it's it's that crazy now. So, um, it's only year one, but uh, I'm excited for next year. Well, when did the whole collection of the patches start? Is that something you started as when you were a kid? Did, like, your grandfather hand a patch to you and that's where it began? I wish it was that awesome. Uh, it, it's <laughs> a little bit of a mix of both. Um, as a kid, I was always a little psychotic, and, like, I wanted to, like, I looked up to, like, the fans a little bit, too, mm-hmm. and uh, as much as I looked up to the players, you know? Yep. So I did love, like, you know, I kind of wanted to be someone like that, and um, I had some patches as a kid, you know, and I started getting this idea, um that like, maybe I could do something more, maybe like a, kind of like a crazier fan, you know? Hell yeah. Um, and then it kind of it just, you know, Jenna's like, yo, why don't you just go for it? Just do it. And shout out to Aunt Janine. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she got to help me sew the, like 50-something patches on a jacket. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, yeah now, now, now my next question, and for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen it, look up, what is it, Patchman Phil on Instagram? It's Patchman Phil. Look up Patchman Phil. I have to ask you, the orange tusks. Where did you get it? How much did it run you? Um, all right. So there's a story behind everything, right? So um, I'm also a Jets season ticket holder as well, as you know. Mm-hmm. And literally that season, I had a Jets like suit jacket. Um, and I wore that first as my first season as a Jet full-time ticket holder. And I was like, this is awesome, you know. But the mess, I want to do something bigger and better. And being a dress-up Halloween fanatic that I am, I get like discounts at different Halloween stores. So, oh, sweet. yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, like, Oppo suits supplied the ja- like an orange, like, short sleeve jacket. And um, from there, I kind of got a per- stitch in the back patch, man, and, you know, went to work and got the 52 or 53 patches up currently on the jacket. Damn. Wait, is that that's on the Mets jacket? The 52, 53 right, patches? Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And that's through eBay and just, you know, different things like that. Awesome. All right. So we'll, we'll spill into the Mets in a little bit because I, I definitely have a lot I want to go over with that. But. You're wearing the Jets logo on your chest, so I figured let's fit in. Let's get started with that. The The last guest I had on was Chris Perkowski. He runs ChargingTheMound.com. It's a little baseball blog that he awesome. does. Yeah, I think you get along with him great, but when we talked about Sam Darnold, I came from a place where I was like, well, he's shown flashes of greatness, and he's shown that he has talent to compete in the NFL. However, he had this perspective that he thinks Sam Darnold is the next Mark Sanchez. So I want your take. He's a Giants fan. Yeah, worth well, that's, noting. That's a Giants fan response. Worth, exactly. Worth <laughs> noting. So give us the Jets fan response. Someone who's been watching Darnold closely this year. What have you seen from him, both the good and the bad? Hey, Darnold, baby. Hey, Darnold. Uh, he's my football head. No, I Listen, he, Sam Darnold gets a bad rap already because um, the Jets aren't doing well, right? And... Giant fans are like, I just don't know if Baker Mayfield beat him in the game. It's Baker Mayfield. First of all, there's so many quarterbacks who um, first start out the first year 
like Peyton Manning or even like Eli Manning, um, who did not do well, do, do well the first year. And I don't even know if Sam Darnold's going to be as good as them. He doesn't have to be. He could be my like, Joe Flacco and have a miracle well, of the sun year. That's kind of what we were getting at. Like, that's kind of what we were getting at. I was saying if but, the Jets get a Carson Palmer out of Sam Darnold, right, right. they've hit the jackpot. I think I think he could be a Carson Palmer, like Matthew Stafford, like numbers where he puts up good numbers, and the Jets have a good defense around him. He can definitely win. Brady's getting older. I think they, they have a couple years. Listen, man, the Jets haven't won a division since I was twelve. Okay, I'm <laughs> craving a home playoff game. Who was the cor- who was the quarterback back then? Uh, it was Chad Pennington, Chad and he Pennington. beat the Colts forty-one to nothing, two thousand two. Shout uh, out two thousand two, Chad Pennington. That's right, baby, Herm Edwards. Um, <laughs> Listen, man, so I think Donald's on the right track. I'm not going to – Sanchez is steep. San, here's a difference, and I'll tell you why. Sanchez wasn't the best quarterback in the draft. Stafford was the best quarterback in the draft. draft. Um, and then it was a fall-off with Sanchez and then eventually Freeman. Right. Um, so I don't know where Baker Mayfield, his ceiling may be the same as Donald, but I feel like it's a bigger risk with Baker Mayfield, where Donald, the risk wow. isn't as much. Okay, so you're saying that Baker Mayfield was a higher-risk pick than Sam Darnold. Oh, absolutely. I guess to challenge that, what I would say is Sam Darnold had some high INT numbers in college, and I don't even want to get into his rookie year with the INT numbers because every single rookie quarterback, their INTs are inflated. Like, a good example that I keep bringing up is my guy Carson Wentz. His first season, he threw 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, which he's a very low touchdown-to-interception ratio quarterback. But even for him to do basically one-for-one his rookie season was – so far beyond the actual quarterback he was. So I'm, not, I'm willing to bet Sam Darnold's no different. I'm not saying he'll have a similar ratio, but I doubt he's going to be chasing Peyton Manning's interception record every season. I see those numbers decreasing, right, right. not maybe dramatically, but at least having in the next two, th- two years or so. The New York media is going to make it crazy, right? Right. The, right it just is you know, the way you play. Um, I just, I'm not too worried about that. And like, think about Sanchez. Is like, this is how much crazy Jeff that I am. And, as for fanatic I am, folks. Literally on my commute, I commute home a long, like an hour and a half. So I, I would just, I would rewatch on YouTube like, like Jets great games. So I would rewatch like the Jets like AFC Championship game against the Pats. Yeah. Um, and like Sanchez, even in that game, like oh he didn't play that bad. Rewatch it, folks. He missed so many big throws, especially early in the game. He was nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald in the first pass of his career, what did he do? Threw an interception. Oh, a pick six, not pick just six. Yes, sure. Oh yeah. Just <laughs> oh yeah. And he didn't look rattled though. He came back and kicked, kicked the lion. No, ass. he got the win. <laughs> yeah, he got the yeah. win. So uh, you know, and then like, like even against Miami a couple weeks ago, like the center was insane. Like Todd Bowles doesn't leaves this guy in the game with a messed up finger. The ball bounces over his head, and he it's and it's like you're setting Donald up to fail. So here's what I'm gonna say. Well, Sanchez. If Darnold's going to be like Sanchez, it's going to be that the Jets don't help him around. They don't build a team around him. Where Sanchez, they, they, he, they had a great young team, mm-hmm. and then he couldn't take the next step. And so I feel like Darnold is better, but if he's going to be another Sanchez-type like quarterback, it's going to be because they don't build around him. Well, that leads me to my next question, because I actually 100% agree with you, because he doesn't have very many people to throw to. The offensive line has taken a big hit in the last couple years. Do you have faith in the Jets organization that they're going to put weapons around Sam Darnold and protection on the line? Well, luckily, I actually like the Jets ownership. I think Johnson cool. & Johnson, I, I actually like them. And I, right, as of now, I have no reason not to like Mikey Mack, you know, the, the Jets GM. Yeah. Um, so I do have faith because they have $90 million this offseason under the cap. Um, looking like they're going to get a top, nice. yeah, like yeah. get a top 10 pick. Um, Cleveland, you know, they signed like a Jarvis Landry, mm-hmm. and I think they really helped Baker Mayfield develop. They have a good young tight end, that guy Najoku or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they build some place pieces like that for Sam. You know, get that defense. The defense is okay. You maybe get one more guy out there who can really pass rush, and I, then I don't know. Tom Brady's getting old, bro. I don't know. It's one of these years, they got to win the division, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I think what the Patriots have proven is that while it is a quarterback league and an offensive league, really what it comes down to is the consistency of your system. I mean, you have the New England Patriots, who God knows I despise, and I'm sure you despise, but a guy like Josh Gordon is able to go there, a troubled guy is able to go there, and he gets structure and he's able to do well. I mean, it's still too early for Josh Gordon to pass the full judgment, but another example like that would be a guy like Randy Moss, a guy who teams, whether it be the Vikings or the Raiders, thought he was a problem, but then he goes to a place like New England where there's this system where – 
He's just the structure is there for him. Obviously, it helps to have Tom Brady throwing passes to you but compared to Cole Pepper. You know, the Patriots can do that stuff, right? Yeah, and like they can miss on players too, and they still can get away with it. So like they've also brought in like how you bring up like those Brandy Moss, right, or yeah. Gordon. They also brought in like Albert Hainsworth, folks, or That's right. like. Um, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson was a non-factor. I, for, I right? forgot that. Yeah, right? I forgot like, about that. It doesn't matter. You like? Could you forget? Because it doesn't matter. Because they keep <laughs> winning. That's why they're insane. The culture's so good. They can bring whoever the hell they want in here. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. <laughs> no? I don't know who it was, but there was somebody. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, and maybe somebody can fill us in, but or maybe you can fill me in. But it's like they got cut from a team, then they were picked up by the Patriots, and they just started thriving and it was like well yeah the culture here in new england is way different than Danny where woodhead? i came from maybe it was woodhead it did it, it, it's not coming off the top of my yeah, head yeah. but maybe it is woodhead and i mean you're starting to see i feel like a lot the last five years a lot of teams have been trying to emulate what belichick and the patriots have been doing i feel like now what teams may start doing is what sean mcveigh and the rams are doing and say what you will, the Rams were seen as the best team in football until they suffered that loss uh, from the New Orleans Saints. But what McVay does, man, is he doesn't play starters in preseason. Uh, I believe it's like Wednesdays. They don't the uh, starters don't gear up for practice. They just take it easy. They don't take hits during the week, and they come into Sundays fresh. Now it's paying off for the Rams so far. I mean, they're what are they eight and one, nine and one? Uh, either eight and one or nine and one, I believe. They, yeah, they just beat the Seahawks. So. They're on their way to win the division. Uh, in, in no time at all. They'll probably clinch in the next few weeks. And I'm wondering if over the next few years we'll see teams emulate the Sean McVay style of coaching where you give your starters more rest. You don't want them practicing in full gear all the time. Because um, I can imagine it's a grueling season, 16 games of getting your ass kicked, and then you got to be tackled by your own teammates during the week. Well, right. So that young offensive mind coach is definitely where uh, the future is in the NFL, just the way the rules are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to some of the misconceptions uh, of the Jets and how, like, people, like, don't realize, like, the Jets, since the Johnson took ownership of the Jets, which is early 2000s, whatever it was, the Jets have yet to hire an offensive-minded coach. Um, so th- I believe, of course, my fingers, folks, we're actually going to hire an offensive-minded coach. Um, and the big-time coach, college coaches, they're not coming out now because they have more stability than they do in the NFL and, again, paid – so much money. Why the hell would you want to come to like a cold town like New York and, and have the papers bash you like bash Todd Bowles? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be up-and-coming offensive mind coach. I don't know where it's going to come from, but um, look at San Francisco, right? So do you believe that um, – was it McDaniels that coach? Not McDaniels. Um, what's his San name? Fran, uh, San Fran. Um, I'm not really not his, da- his dad's the old – oh, man, it's driving me nuts right now. Uh, his dad used to be the Broncos coach when he won the Super Bowl with L.A. Shanahan, oh, Kyle oh, Shanahan, yeah. Shanahan, yeah. young offensive minded coach. He's just like McVay. McVay, he doesn't have the success right now, but I believe he can win. Really, and so a guy like that. So you, you think know? San Fran can turn it around, or are you saying that you need to get a coach like, like that? Let's say like a coach that. like that. Okay, not, not okay. this season. No, I mean, okay, of course. Yes, listen, yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, they're playing the Giants tonight, so who the hell knows? But as far as like that type of coach, that's the type of coach where the NFL is going to lead towards. I think. Well, now I wanted to talk to you about this weekend you had. And I, I guess we'll work backwards. We'll start at the Jets game you were at, which they got slaughtered by Buffalo. That couldn't have been easy to watch. Did you stay for the whole game or? Nope. I'm, uh, I'm a, f- sorry, folks. I, I'm a huge fan, but I'm also a realist. I, I, I was probably, that was the earliest I ever left the football game in my life. <laughs> I literally was How so, long did you make it? How long did you so, make it? So I got to find a silver lining in life. You got to do it. You got to do it. You land, you, you Landy Lodge folks, you gotta find silver lining. I was fortunate enough to, I met Chad Pennington. I don't know if I told oh, you. Oh shit! Yeah, 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 yeah. No kidding. So it was awesome. So I actually met Chad Pennington. Um, they did like a thing like outside their, the stadium, where it's like the you know the the Jets legend of the game. Mm-hmm. And so the way the line was set up is, I got to like eleven thirty, and the line was already like a half hour long. And um, you know I was tailgating beforehand, but the time I got to the stadium, um, and the lady woman came to the back of the line and she's like, hey. You guys may not meet Chad, but if you want to do the NFL fan competition, you can. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Here I am in, in – you know, I do have a Jets you know, suit jacket, which you've seen. Yeah. And uh, here I am in a full Jets, like, three-piece suit, like, doing, like, the 40-yard dash, like, down the Meadowlands and shit. Like, try not to split my <laughs> pants open, you know. And I'm doing the broad jump and all that good stuff. And I get all of them huffing and puffing. And I finally meet Chad. And I'm like, Chad, listen, man. Like, you're my childhood quarterback, but – it really broke my heart that the one time you won a division, you had to win it with Miami. And, you know, he was laughing. 
and uh, I got him to sign. I don't the, remember that. Yeah. Wasn't that the year you guys had Brett Favre too? Uh, right. So yeah. Jesso Aiden won. I don't want to derail you. Yeah, yeah. Jesso Aiden won. <laughs> God knows we don't win the divisions. So Chad Pennington won the division with the Dolphins that year. Um, and then you know, I got him to sign a, a mini helmet. Um, oh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm building like a Jets mini helmet collection, autograph, um, stuff like that. But then, and then the game started, and that's it, folks. I don't, I don't want to talk about anything else. They, that's uh, fair. It, the time I got to, about, you know, the time you get to your seat, and you, you realize you're like, all right, it's fourteen nothing already. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I literally, I, I was so frustrated, and like, Trell Pryor caught like a forty yard pass to start the game, right? Mm-hmm. And then McCoy just caught Trell Pryor earlier this season, and then uh, McCoy sweep and around thirty okay. yards or whatever it was, two plays, seventy five yards to start the game. Just go three and out. You already knew the fans were booing. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to go on a rant. I don't want to go on a rant. I had a great weekend otherwise. Yeah, so let's, let's move on to the highlight of the weekend. You went golfing at City Field it on Saturday. It was awesome, man. So it tell, was, me what, tell me what that was all about. Uh, what was the function? Why were you there, et cetera? Go really on. cool. So um, I got into golf a lot this summer. Do you, do you golf? When people invite me to golf, I golf. I'm not a golfer. Okay. Well, go on. I, I, I can I'm not a golfer either, but I golf. But gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so I... I I kind of got into golf. It's such a fun game, dude. Like it, it it's so hard. Yet sometimes, like when you do well, it's like fuck yeah. Like, you feel like Tiger Woods because like it's one of the only sports where you can play in the same field or like same course, you know, as the actual pros. You know what I mean? I, it's very rare. I can't go to like, you know, I can't cover like Randy Moss, but like I may be able to somehow make a putt like Tiger Woods somehow. But, you know what I mean? Like so, it, that's what makes golf cool. Um, City Field Stadium Links. You can look it up. They they tour. My cousin just did a, um, one in Texas and Arlington. So they, they do different stadiums. Yeah, yeah, um, And City Field set it up where nine holes. Um, they took out a bunch of the seats. Basically, it was like pitching wedge nine iron. And you kind of okay. like where your ball landed, it's like your score. So, for example, there was like pins all, all around the, the outfield grass. Um, and it was like a hole, like a red circle, and that was like a birdie. You landed, oh, yeah, okay. and it was like an artificial. They cut the city field grass. So, so was this yeah. like a chip? It's almost like a chipping contest. It was like a pitch and puck kind of thing. A yeah, pitch yeah, and yeah, puck. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, they they're not gonna have you use a, a driver. Well, yeah, no, you're not gonna be doing a hard lo- eighteen. Oh, I would love to crank one right into the Wilpon screen, just crack it. You know, get the home run <laughs> apple going up for once. You know, but yeah, right. Um, yeah, so it was definitely it sounded a like cool a good time. time. It looked like a good time. I'm surprised they had it organized so well. I mean, I guess you could look up pictures. What would you, if you wanted to see pictures of City Field hooked up like a golf, like um, I guess they would just go to your Instagram to check. My it out. Instagram has it. Um, yeah. Patrick and Phil, I have it. Um, stadium links. Well, they do it all over. I think they do a Wrigley Field and stuff. I think they do like all the stadiums. Okay. Um, so I would just look into that, folks. Um, for that, I, I keep calling people folks. I don't know, but well, anyway, the folks, the folks you guys are folks. You guys, are landy folks. Um, <laughs> so start doing that, you know. And um, I do got a special gift for you. Speaking about oh shit. Speaking about Patchman. Oh shit. So for those of you who can't see, he's reaching into his back pocket. Bad radio, folks. Hold on. It's all good. No, we're fine. We're fine. We can all paint right. word pictures. He's passing me baseball cards. This is for you for guessing oh, having shit. me on your show. Oh god, they're Patchman <laughs> cards. This is amazing. Yeah, enjoy it, folks. We officially have the Patchman Tops Seven Line Army baseball cards. Official. I'll uh, I'll definitely post some of these to my Instagram. Yeah, it's awesome. Get some people hyped. Yeah, but yeah hell cool, yes, dude. dude. Nice this friend. is awesome. Where'd you get these made? Um, so the seven, I, I, like I said, I'm not a huge seven line person, but I do enjoy sometimes the stuff they do for Met fans. And going to like a away event, it is fun going with them. Um, so I do, I do like their products and stuff like that. So they did this event where it's like make your own baseball card and a Met fans trade, Met fans trading cards. And I'll, instantly, I had to jump on it. Of course, um, Tops kind of screwed me a little bit and didn't. Um, Get it in time. Get it. Ship it to me in time. They lost my order, so I didn't have it for the season. However, because I called up and bitched at them, they basically gave me a hundred free cards. And when That's it, sick. Because I only ordered twenty five, so I kind of, you know, you're gonna have, you're have to it. sign one of these before. Yeah, you of course. Yes, yes. I definitely need the, uh, yeah, 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 the Patchman yeah, yeah. John Hancock. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's it, man. But that is cool, man. So, wait, do, so, and you probably told me this already. So I'm sorry if I don't know. Are you a season ticket holder for the Mets? Um, Are you in one of those season packages? So I for. For the last um, 12 years, I've had the Mets Saturday plan. Okay. Um, this obviously 2018 season was the first year as uh, um, being Patchman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the Saturday pl- get plan. But I usually get cheaper tickets on the Friday nights or Sunday nights, yeah. depending on the T-shirt or the Sunday promotion. Um, and then Jen and I, we go to 109 a lot for Tuesday or Wednesday nights. 
Sweet. Um, and that's like right behind first base. And people, you can get um, on a cold or windy night or when the Mets get really shitty, you can get like <laughs> like $100 tickets. You can get it for like 40 bucks, so it's sometimes less. Um, One of the perks of being a Mets fan, by the way, the late season discounts. Right, right, right. And especially early in the year, too, when the weather's kind of sh- – God bless her, because she sat through many rain delays. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, so we'll go. And, like, that's a 109, a very nice spot um, as well. Um, so I, I would say 30 games a year I'll probably go to. That's pretty awesome. So it sounds like we can find you at City Field any Saturday of the season. Any Saturday, 412 is my section. I will never leave there. If you told me I can get seats right behind the plate for season tickets, I will take them. But I'm, I would also – I wouldn't, wouldn't get rid of my 412 seats. So where is section 412? Um it's just the people in my section are like family to me. Gotcha. Um, but it's um, right behind like that Jim Beam Club, which it used to be called the Ooh. Promenade Club. Yep, um, yep. So City Field has a balcony level um, behind home plate. So it's like that low level balcony level of the upper deck. Um, so it's affordable, but still good quality where you can see the game. That's pretty sweet. Uh, funny, funny story actually about the uh, Jim Beam or the Promenade section. Uh, when Charlotte and I were at the games, uh, there was this one game we went to, and you know how they sell like the the helmet nachos. Yes. Or they started selling helmet yeah, yeah. nachos. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte and I were really feeling some helmet nachos while we were at the game. Uh, the Mets were getting crushed, so we had to find our choice somewhere, get a little bit of mouth pleasure. But that's what she said. No. Yeah, I was gonna say I, was, <laughs> I left that wide open. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, sorry, sorry, Charlotte. Sorry. No, it's okay. okay. No, uh, she's she's a good sport. <laughs> she's nothing but a good sport. Um, so. The helmet nachos weren't being sold like outside of the promenade section. For some reason, usually you can just find them at a stand, but for some reason we just couldn't find them. You know what? The best spot to go is at Goyer Stand and like left field a little bit of the upper deck. Yeah. Is that we went? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But <laughs> we couldn't find them. Yeah, yeah. So we saw they had them in the promenade section. Mm-hmm. So we, we get there. We try to see if we could just like if we could just like walk in without the attendant caring. But of course, we try to walk in. They stop like, hey, do you have tickets to this? And like, uh, we played dumb. We're like, oh, we didn't know we need tickets for this. And then Charlotte just gives the doughy eyes. All we really wanted was just some helmet nachos. And bless City Field no and way. bless no the way. staff <laughs> who were just like, oh, okay, you know what? Come on in. Yeah, yeah. Just buy some nachos and, and you can just be on your way. So we came in. We bought the nachos. And the attendants were like, just sit here and watch the game. It's okay. <laughs> they were really like, it's okay. Just sit there and watch the game. So... You've been giving a lot of love to the City Field staff. With that little anecdote, I want to give my personal love to the City Field staff. They're great. They're great people, man. They are. No, no. The, a lot of the people who are working there, of course, you can't say it for everyone, but a lot of people who are working there genuinely seem like they want to be there. From from the cooks to the, the stand attendants. Um, I can't speak for the uh, the peanut and the cotton candy people. They they never look that happy to be walking around yelling the same thing for three hours. Uh, well, so, I'll gotta empathize. You, I'll say this, though. One time I did um, get tickets... Right, right behind the Mets dugout, uh, not dugout, sorry, home plate, but it was like just beyond the camera pan shot. Yeah. Know, and this is the, uh, on a real Mets fans will know this. It was that double header. Uh, I want to say it against the Braves. I want to say, and it was like the, it was a double, and the, it was a rain. And so they gained their start to like nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night. And, and it was supposed to be a double header that day, and they pushed the double header to the next day. And ten o'clock Sunday night, first pitch. And I'm trying to, and eventually, like, I went to the guy. I was like, listen, there's no one there. I can't, can I sit down here? And he wouldn't let me move further down. So that kind of sucks. Um, however, I understand that those are, like, the corporate seats. So yeah. I, I, I understand that. And I, I am wearing a patch jacket, so I may look like a lunatic. So, <laughs> so I understand that, too. Um, but in a whole, City Field's my second home. I, I love those workers. And uh, what's awesome, too, is, like, I, I love that, too, though. I want to become friends with the ushers. Like, I, I love that interaction because, like, they could hook you up, man. Like, you never know. Like... Well, I mean, I mean, the anecdote I just gave was a was a good example. You know, right, you right. Just you treat them with respect. You be nice. Like they'll treat you like a human being. Even back. even before it was even Patchman, the Wilma Fuller's walk up game. I had standing room tickets that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that was the that's when the Mets, you know, tears of cheers and it would, uh, you know, we beat the Nationals, all that stuff. Yep. I I was standing by the left field, and I went the game went the extra innings, and the usher just let me and my buddy just come sneak down and go actually go down to the seats. That's amazing. Um, so I guess because maybe it wasn't corporate, I, you know, because. Beyond home play, it's a little different than the padded seats, but in the outfield, they, I feel like they don't really care. Yeah, no, they seem to be a little bit yeah, more yeah. lenient. But so. speaking of baseball, we've got a hell of an offseason upon us. There are so Ooh, many free yeah. agents. Uh, our team just got a new GM, so I kind of wanted to unwrap a little bit of Wag. that with you. So before we got rolling, we were talking about Bryce Harper. And my previous guest had said that he thinks he's going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Patchman Phil, please ease my worries 
tell me that Bryce Harper will leave the NL East if not the National League. Please just tell me what I want to hear. I cannot. <laughs> oh boy. I hate the Phillies more than because I, I want to try to keep this podcast like PG thirteen at least. I can't. I can't say, tell you. There's things that I've done in college where I can't stand the Philadelphia Phillies. They they've stolen my championship years of the Reyes Wright years. However, I remember that. However, they're gonna get Machado or they're gonna get Harper. They're gonna get one of them. I'm not sure they're going to get both, but they're going to get one of them. Um, well, they got a lot of money coming off the cap. They 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 can spend money. The the Phillies are what the Mets should be doing. It's like that. It, and, agreed. And if, agreed. I mean, if I'm the Mets right now, right? Like this is what you do, and and this is. I find a way to sign Machado. Give him, give him the money. You oh, you want Machado? Yeah, I sign Machado. Then I trade. I know. Oh, fan trades. But then I feel like it, I trade Rosario. Um, you get a, the um, done the top pitching prospect we have, mm-hmm. and maybe someone else. And you go to the Marlins and go, "Hey, JT Real Muto." So Rosario has a lot on control, and maybe you, and then you build a team from there, and then you sign like Andrew Miller, like a Mickey Callaway type pitcher that he loves. And next okay. you know, now, next you know, you can win the division with that team. They're not going to do it. You know, they're not going to do they're it. They're not. I'm listen. That's what I would do. Personally, personally, I don't want Machado on the team. There's, I just feel like Machado and Cespedes together. Right. It's like I could do one of them. Totally. I could do either just Cespedes or Machado, but the two of them gets me a little bit worried. But I do understand Machado's statistically, at least one of the best players in baseball. So I, I agree, know he's a lineup changer. Los Mets, man. Low Smith, those days are gone. I don't know, Machado Cespedes, dude? Machado Cespedes. I mean, I don't know. I'm preferable to Beltran Delgado, but that could just be my nostalgia talking. Listen, man, everyone loves Beltran, but he couldn't swing the bat with two strikes. So. Man, that <laughs> who knew who knew oh. Wainwright had that curve? Oh, ball? man, let me tell you. I'm still pissing him. I, yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I can't believe – this, this, this is a full tangent, but I can't believe that Beltran was rated all-time Mets center fielder team over Mookie Wilson. I, I still can't believe that. You are upset that Beltran is placed over Mookie Wilson. Now, is that just out of notoriety and that Mookie's a champion? Or what it's, makes you value Mookie Wilson over potential Hall of Famer Carlos Beltran? Well, besides the fact that I met Mookie like a week ago. And I'm sure Mookie's awesome, oh, dude. dude. I, I bet nuts. he's the coolest yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, so I actually – Took my, I have Shea Stadium seats. Oh, sweet. I don't know if I told you this, but I uh, I wheeled them in. I used Jenna's truck, and we kind of put the seats I, into the truck, and I wheeled them in like a handcart through oh, shit. Roosevelt Field Mall to get Mookie to sign it. Whoa. Um, yeah, it was, awesome. it was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to go back to your point, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I can diverge a little bit. In uh, the biggest stage, in the biggest spot, I was there. Young 16-year-old Patchman Phil was there at Shea Stadium. Place was rocking. It may have been the loudest I think I've ever been to a playoff game, other than 2015 um, game one against the Cubs was, was crazy, um, and game three, uh, you know, when they won the World Series game. But it was so crazy, so loud, and the, they had so many chances to do it. And then here, like that game, I don't even want to talk about the game. It gets me too frustrated. But Beltron comes up. All you need is a hit to tie the game. Extra base hit wins it. This is supposed to be my like '86 Mets like memorable moment. I hear you. Chavez already you. made the catch. Yeah, yeah, no, it, everything was in place, and I'm I'm gonna get to it once you're done. And, go for and, it. And so, in the biggest stage, he didn't get it done, and Mookie Wilson found a way to put the ball in play, Fair. and he didn't do it. And so, for me, Beltran had the reputation of being the Cardinal killer. Houston Astros, he did it. Yep. He had two, folks, I know he had two home runs in that series. I know it too, but I'll tell you, he, he drove me nuts. Him. And I love Wagner, but Wagner, those two guys didn't get it done I get, when, I, when I needed you to. Well, I, I'm definitely a little harsh on Wagner than I am on Beltron. And here's why. Beltron had already scored one of the Mets' runs in that game. That's A. B, the person I'm hardest on it of all is Willie Randolph. We had oh, runners on, I hate him. I we hate had him. runners on first and second. Hey, and you're hey, going to put up the one-legged quick No, you put up Tom Glavin. He lays down Good a bunt. bunt. It's second and third with one out. I mean... I'm still like, mad because this game that I tell you what that 2006 loss I'm more pissed about that than I am about the 2015 World Series. Of course, because oh, yeah. look, we were outmatched in the Kansas Royals, City. The Royals were better. Team. We were outmatched yep. in Kansas City, yep. but we were even with our banged up rotation, we were still a better team than those Cardinals. I I, I, I still believe that to this day. Ready? We were better. Nick, go for it. Go for it. Nick sitting down for this. Make sure everyone knows. The Cardinals have the lowest win total ever. I think they were 82, 83 wins. 83 wins. 83 Just over 500. Yeah. The lowest win total ever to win the World Series. Well, they got hot at the right time, and all our pitchers went down. And here's my other thing. Mm-hmm. Beltron had the 0-2 count, which couldn't have been easy. But the pitcher was Adam Wainwright, who was formerly a rookie. 
the previous closer of them that year. Do you remember who it was? Former Met great. Oh, uh, is, is he? Jason yeah. Isringhausen, yeah. who Beltron hit the walk off that year. He threw that twelve to six curveball to Beltron before I know, but any of us knew that twelve to six existed. And I don't want to make excuses. Beltron sort of swung the damn bat. The swing, he the did swing. It. But look, it's baseball. Even if you're one of the best hitters in the league, you're going to fail 70% of the time, whether it's in the clutch or not. Should Beltron have swung the bat? Of course he should have swung the bat. But if I'm really laying blame to anyone on that game, I'm blaming Willie Randolph for not bunting those runners Oh, over. I can't stand him. The way he used a bullpen in, the w- in 2007, starting John, you know, not starting Pedro in the game. I think he started rookie John Neese Something against like the that, Cardinals. Yeah. And, and, and the way he managed it, oh, that, I, I can't done with Willie. But you think that Beltron deserves to be all-time center fielder? I can't think of a better statistical center fielder than Carlos Beltran. He only made it to the postseason with the Mets once, but notoriously, he's an amazing postseason fair batter. Enough. 41 home runs tied Piazza's record. Yeah. Uh, fair, uh, fair enough, yep. I think he was third in the MVP voting that year. But I, I've always been a big fan of Beltran. It sucks because the most memorable moment dude, is going to be a sour I, one. I hold the grudge, dude. I, I just, You're allowed to. No, honestly, that's part of baseball. That was my he moment. He never got to that redeem himself. That was my himself. moment, Beltran, he didn't swing. Mookie <laughs> fouled off like 10 pitches, and he put the a slow, you know, a slow roller, whatever it is, up along first or whatever it is. Come I, on. I hear you on that. Yeah. But know. let's uh, let's get back to the yeah, these yeah. current Mets. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. We're good. No, listen, we have to air it out. Mets fans, you know how it is. Sometimes you just got to vent for this team, you know? Got to air it out or that's else it, you go insane. That's it. That's how we get used to losing. Um, current Mets, do, let me, ask, let me flip the script. Do you go like? Do, what do you think about Wagonin? And what do you think? About the, what do you think the Mets are going to do? I'll flip it to you. Okay, so Brody interests me because obviously of where he comes from. He he was Degrom, Syndergaard, and Tebow's agent, mm-hmm. and that has me a little bit worried because the last thing I want the Mets to become is a circus act. I'm not saying they're going to become a circus act. It's just a little bit of fear that we got a guy who's never worked in the front office yet. Not just not doesn't mean that he can't do well. He knows how the game works. He's been an agent. He knows how to negotiate. He knows how the whole off-season trade signing deals work. Um, I like him because I do think he gives us a good chance of signing both DeGrom and Syndergaard. However, his comment the other day about Tebow potentially making the starting lineup got me shaking a little bit. I'll say this, right? So I I was indifferent about him. I you know Fair. I thought I thought the Mets like thinking outside the box. You know what? Why not? Why not try something different? Because everything else hasn't worked. Fair so, enough. So, when he, I don't know, did you hear the interview when he was on Mike Francesa? That's kind of what I'm referencing, okay. where Francesa kind of okay. railed on him a oh, little bit. Oh, God. That interview made me love him. That interview yeah. made me so confident. It was insane. <laughs> Francesa, folks, is the biggest bully asshole ever. I, I, you know me. I, I actually like it. I enjoy him. Yeah. But, like, Bordy Wagon flipped the interview and sort of, like, giving it back to Mike. It was awesome. Mike tried changing the question, and he basically said, hey, um, you know, like, you think this lineup's a winning team now? And, he, and if you listen to the interview, he goes, well, I, it's a great lineup for me to build on. And then Mike's like, whoa, whoa, you think this lineup's ready? And he's like, let me ask you a question, Mike. And he flipped it back on him and goes, who in this division is going to beat us? And he's right. The Braves are young and unproven. How many times do you see an upcoming team and then back trial the next year? Or the Phillies... Yeah, they're, they're good. Well, young. I was going to bring up so, the Phillies if they're going to get Machado, Harper, Harper oh, or yeah. Kimbrel. Like, right, right. But why not? If the Mets go out and get one of them, you know what I mean? Or if we go out and get Moustakis, we get Miller, yep. or you know they're going to get Robinson like in New York. They're going to get one of those two. Well, here's here's where I was and coming. You can go compete. For you can compete. Well, that's what I was saying. Like is the Mets, the Mets, as much of a mess as they were last year, a lot of that was due to injury. They're not many pieces away from being a good team. They're a few pieces away. I think they need a good defensive catcher. I think that's one. I think they need another decent bat in the lineup like a Moustakis. They, they don't need a Harper. They don't need a Machado. But if they got someone like Moustakis, it would solidify the order a little bit more. But they got to stock up the bullpen. If they're not going to spend a pitching, they have to stock up the bullpen. You have to stock up the bullpen. I, I Maybe I'm crazy. I'm saying you sign both Kimbrel and you re-sign Familia. I would go Miller. I, I, like, I like Miller a lot. Miller, no. I, I like, like Miller, Miller too. Miller, I would take Miller. Miller's like a better Gazelman where Olugo, yeah. Olugo where, where like you can use them in different spots. Where you've seen Gazelman and Lugo do well, but like in the clo- they can't really close. Where Miller can close too, mm-hmm. um, so I like that. I, I I like using him for that. And uh, we'll see. They, I, if you stack up the bullpen, the division we have the worst division. In baseball. No, the division. The there's, worst, no, there's no tyrants. There's no titans. The Mets in that division. There's no Patriots. Right. There's no. The right. Mets finished like four games back or five games back from the, the Phillies, and the Phillies were in first like a majority of the year. That's a good point. 
That's a pretty good point. No, the Phil- I think the I think the Phillies are right. Uh, or maybe the Phillies. I'm sorry. From the Nationals. I'm sorry. I think it might have been from the Nationals. Okay. Phillies coming okay, second. Okay. Whoever came in third, what if they were like right there? It's you look at the standings. It's really close. Um, so they're right there. They're not. They're not too far off. But let me ask you. I I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that the team performed at about a 500 level once they called Jeff McNeil up. It's like since Jeff McNeil was called up, their re- win-loss record was a lot better compared to the season before they called him up. And it's not to say that Jeff McNeil was the entire reason, but it... Alonzo's coming up too, baby. Alonzo's coming Let's up go. too. It makes, you th- <laughs> it makes you think, did they start figuring a little something out at the end there? Dude, Jeff McNeil was an afterthought. They they called yeah. him up because Alonzo, they're worried about paying him and they're trying to do that, whatever that stupid rule is. Where, right. Right. So uh, McNeil is like, wait a minute, guys. Like, you tell me, like, he was an afterthought. He can't play a good defense. He's making diving stops so DeGrom can actually win a game. He's hitting for average. Like, he, he was the best player of the Mets last year. Easily. Easily the best player. Easily. After his call up, he was oh, the most yeah. consistent bat. Mm-hmm. Um, his defense really wasn't, I, I, I didn't see the concern. He's no, he's no gold glover. But I watched no Dan Murphy for eight years. Yeah, you bet your ass I'd take McNeil. Exactly. uh, I don't know. I just feel like Alonzo could be a good core. I feel like Wagonin. You know, I like Wagonin. Little wag swag. So so help me, help me, because I've been calling him Brody because I keep being afraid I'm going to screw up his last name. So it's Wagonin. Yeah, it's Brody Van Wagonin. Brody Van Van Wagonin. I just call it Wag. 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 Wag wag swag. Wag swag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I I, kind (laughs) of like the the way you kind of framed his interview that he did shoot it back at Francesa. Do you think when he said the Tebow thing that he might have been just trolling Francesa a little bit? Here's the thing. I'm also – I love Rex Ryan. So I love that idea where, like, boisterous, like, talk shit. Like, I like that because a fan gets you energized. They lose anyway, so you might as well be excited before they lose. So I, I like that mindset. No, dude. You know what? Tebow's coming up. And when it, if they suck again in September and he's not hurt, this, they're, they're calling him then up. Probably. They're calling up on a football Sunday to get people to come to sell out. Well, there's. You think they're oh, gonna? Yeah. You think he's gonna start the year in AAA? I don't know why not. You have a new stadium in Syracuse, a new team in Syracuse, New York. Yep. You got Mets fans that come up and see him. I don't know why. Why you wouldn't? It's not a bad point. Minor league, minor league <laughs> sales are important. They do go to the main he franchise. Sells out. He, he does. Sold out last year. I mean, not for nothing, dude. Like, if look, I would watch. I would watch Tebow play for ten dollars. Oh yeah. If it was a Mets minor league team. You, it, told, you tell me you bring them to a Cyclones a game? Like, that would be insane. Oh, it would oh, be crazy. I know it's just single A, but they could do that. They, uh, uh, they could do all that stuff. There's a lot that they can do. Personally, I'd like to see them stay away from the Major League team because that would mean that, A, we're doing well, and B, well, there's no need for B. It means, A, we're doing well, and I'm happy. But, you know, if we had to sell him for – if we had to, you know – Parade him around in September for some free agent money. I wouldn't exactly be too crazy. I think it's the I'd be too upset with that. He would probably only come up if they're doing poorly. That's what I would think. That's why I'm like, if we don't oh, see Tebow. Oh, he's doing well, you mean? Yeah, oh, no, oh, no. Okay. I want Tebow to do well. Fuck it. If Tebow can hit 40 home runs, let Tebow hit 40 home runs. Like, you know you got to be there that one home run he hits a city field. Yeah. He's hit one game winner. Just one. Landy, Landy Lodge, folks. He's hit a one game winner. You fucking know it. All right. We'll be there. We'll live, we'll live tweet it. We'll live tweet it. But no, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Mets fan. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Tebow's first game. We're going together. Tebow's first game. No, I'm down. Do if it. they call do Tebow it. up, you and do I should it. definitely go. Let's go. Definitely into it. The promotion schedule just came out, by the way. Did they really? Did they really? 69 Mets, 50th anniversary this season. Oh, shit. That's right. Got the replica ring. When are they doing uh, that? Please tell June me it's a summer date. June 29th. Okay, cool. Uh, they got the uh, Mr. Met Man on the Moon bobblehead because it's the 50th anniversary of when, oh, when we put landing. a man on the Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, they, wow. We got some cool stuff. Yeah, some good year. promotions. So check it out, folks. Mets.com. That's another thing I always love about City Field. The promotions are cool, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, the we're suckers. Cool. You know, we have good teams. We, we got, we, we, Yankees, you got the championships. We got promotion and broadcasters. Yeah. <laughs> we got well, you Gary, there. Keith, and Ron, man, it doesn't get any better uh, than that. Yeah. And it's not to say that, uh, what is it? Even it's Howie Rose, though, is so much better. On radio. Susan Wallman, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like, against women, but come on, man. She just sounds so, like, like, my like, favorite, like annoying and, like, my John Sterling falls asleep. Like, my come on. favorite call of all time was by Susan when Roger Clemens was in the uh, box. Oh, my God, Clemens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And John Sterling, <laughs> it's deep. It's, it's going back. Caught. You know what that reminds me of, though? You know who I really miss? And I I didn't realize this until I I was in Massachusetts a couple weekends ago, and I was in the hotel, and I was watching Adam Sandler's The Longest Yard. I didn't realize how much I miss Bergman as an announcer. Like in the home run derbies, the back, 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 back. Or or when he was doing football, would there be a lateral whoop? Like, I miss all that shit, man. I miss him. He was great. (laughs) 
dude's the, he's the best, man. Berman, NFL primetime. Oh, dude, man. I still fantasy draft, um, and we play the fan, friends. We do the the music. You can look up on YouTube at the full playlist of the music that he's really? doing. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Oh yeah, that's so cool. How you doing in fantasy? You doing all right? No one really cares about talking about fantasy teams, but yeah, uh, just a quick little bit. If you're doing uh, I'm okay, okay. I'm How's doing the okay. Patchman fantasy uh, team. Patchman's middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. I'm, I win like one league. I win three in a row. No league, I lose three in a row, and then a flip flop. So I would say I'm probably in playoffs of both. Okay. But uh, got a chance to compete. Yeah, one league is like a 14 team league. Very competitive. Very intense. The loser challenge this year is to um, you have to dress up as Ariel from Little Mermaid oh and do a photo shoot at the Montauk Lighthouse. I know, so, so I'm that's I do- fucking I dodge awesome. It. Yeah, I dodge it though. Lucky I am. Um, I'm what am I? I'm like six and four, I think. So I think I'm. I'm, I'm there's no way I'm getting last. What's so. the craziest loser challenge you've ever been a part of? Not necessarily one that you've had to do, but in a league that you've been a part of. And for those who don't do any kind of fantasy football to fill you in, a loser challenge is if somebody comes in last in a fantasy in a fantasy league, they usually have to do something either embarrassing, stupid, difficult, anything like that. But what's the um, most embarrassing one that you've been in a part of so for a league? One that I have done, me personally, different than fantasy football, but my friends are crazy, so we do like Mario Party bets, and so we'll do... I'm into it. So we'll do like last place at Mario Party has to do like challenge x so for me one time i had to wear nothing but a jock strap on and oh, ring <laughs> and like a ski mask and like a jock strap and ring my friend's doorbell's house and like and you know, like and like knocked on the door really loud and like my friend's dad opened the door and shit so it's like oh what the fuck is like, just like running yeah. into a car my, or my, like... bare, my, my bare hairy ass my little t-ball t- jock strap sprinting down the block and shit Please yeah dude, tell me nuts. this was like in the dead of winter Ah, oh, yeah, it was something stupid. So Mario Party gets crazy, but even the fantasy football, we do, we done stuff like that too and stuff. I was fortunate; I have I haven't. That's the worst that I have done. Okay. Um, What's the worst one? Because that that Ariel Lighthouse well, shoot sounds so pretty it, terrible. We it, yeah, we upped it. Um, so that's this is the second year we're doing loser bets. One year we had to do um, wear a Michael Sam jersey at the bar. After <laughs> sorry, folks, but well, it, Phil, uh, Phil, for people who don't know, uh, fill in the whole Michael Sam thing. Okay, so. It's it, it's just a funny joke how uh, Michael Sam became the first openly gay NFL player, um, and at the time it was a very like controversial thing. Um, so we, it, it was, we thought it was kind of be funny to like wear like support. We bought it through China like a Michael Sam jersey. Yeah, and to, like wear, wear it out of the bar. <laughs> it's kind of funny and stupid. Um, another time, are you familiar with the play um, Newsies? Newsies, no. Okay. Fill me in. So it's basically like young. Um, who's the guy who played Batman? The uh, the newer Batman's. Christian Bale or yeah, Ben yeah, yeah. Affleck? Christian, Christian Bale. Christian yeah. Bale, okay. okay. Right. So he was in this play called Newsies, like a movie. Yeah. And, and basically it's like him dressed up as like a, a 1920s paper boy. And he has oh. like a hat and like a little like, you know, papers, papers, extra, extra. Like, you know? So um, you had to deliver donuts to all 13 other members of the league within 24 hours in a Newsies costume. Oh, those must have been yeah. some and delicious I gonna, donuts. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be me because I started out 0-4 in that league. Oh, God. Finish, I, and I won six in a row somehow after that. It was the best win streak I ever had in my life. Everyone's talking shit, like texting me what donuts they want. Snapchatting <laughs> Christy. Yeah, I got Snapchatted like Christy, Krispy Kreme, and I, but I dodged it. So I do enjoy a good loser's bet. Um, gambling's fun, but gambling for money is one thing. Gambling for like pride and like risking doing embarrassing. That's much more fun. That's why I love gambling. That's much more fun. That's how I gamble. The money, the money thing can get tricky if you're not careful. Especially right, now with like DraftKings is everywhere. So I think sports betting's become legal federally now. Uh, um, not in the state of New York, you can't do it. Um, okay. As far as like uh, betting, if I wanted to bet on the Jets, but it's cool in New Jersey. I could if I go like yeah. I could be in the Meadowlands parking lot, bet on the Giants, bet on a Jet game. Oh, I could wow. bet on college football. I could bet on horse racing, whatever I want. Yeah, it's so accessible now; it's ridiculous. DraftKings uh, sportsbook app, you can do that. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's great. Do you do any kind of uh, like DraftKings or sportsbook or anything um, like that? I, every week I usually I do have a, a horror story. I when do you're done. I do a DraftKings, um, twenty bucks, eight guys, first second place every week. Mm-hmm. I um I went to Vegas for my twenty first birthday. And Woo! There were a lot of fun things to do in Vegas, but I guess I'm kind of a sports nerd. One of the things I wanted to do was go and bet on who would win the World Series. Uh, so this is let's see, if it's my twenty first birthday. It's twenty thirteen. How much money you put on the Mets? I didn't put any money oh. on the Mets. It was twenty thirteen. <laughs> it was twenty thirteen. Come not, on, dude. I'm not insane. Michael Kadire? No, maybe not even oh, before that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Angel Pagan? Woo. I think that's a Jason Bay era. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like around there. But, <laughs> but I go there and I'm looking at everything. 
and I see the Boston Red Sox, and I'm like, I think Boston could do it. So I'm like, I'm going to put $100 on the Red Sox, and the payout was like 14 to 1. Oh, last to first place, yeah. Yeah, it would have been like 1400 bucks. But I said, you know what, let, let me call a friend of mine. I'm not going to say who I, call, who I called, because God knows I've chewed their ear off about it, but it's my own fault for not believing in my own word. And I was like, hey, who do you think's got this World Series? And he said the Tampa Bay Rays. And I fought back. I was like, nah, I think the Red Sox are going to do it. And I gave reason X, Y, and Z. But this person gave me their reason X, Y, and Z. But they said it much more confidently than I did. So like a stupid human, I believed it. Put my money on the Rays. The Rays lost. The Red Sox won in 2013. I missed out on like $1,500 because I didn't believe in myself. And that's the lesson we have to learn from. Actually, no, don't believe in yourself if you gamble. Don't, don't believe anyone. Don't believe in yourself. Just... Maybe take the money and spend it on a sandwich. 2015 I Mets, I put money on down. Oh, wow. Oh, to win the World Series. Not a bad I bet. I had a friend who went to Vegas, and basically it was like, hey, um, you know, I was like, throw 25 bucks on me, the Mets, whatever. I forgot what the odds were. It was like 20-something to one, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I put 25 bucks down, and the Mets made it to the World Series, and I could have hedged it. And my friend's like, hey, do you want to put money on the Royals? So you win either way. Um I, I, whatever it was, I could have got maybe like a couple thousand back from it. Whatever the, oh, whatever the odds were. Been nice. Um, I'm like, F no, I'm not betting on the, on the, uh, on the, on the Royals. Royals. Yeah, it's sacrilegious. No way. Um, we know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> we were outmatched. That was my Vegas betting story. I, out of the blue, I better than Mets to win the World Series. And then they actually made it. And did you make that bet at the beginning of the year? Yeah, they just signed Kadire. When they signed, that was it. You were like, "Oh, the Mets got Kadir, got a bet no, no, for the it, World it, Series." It, now. It, it, no, it was like I bet on the Mets to win the World Series, and like, who they're gonna sign? What big bat are they gonna sign? And like, I forgot who else was available, but like, the Kadir was all they brought in, and he didn't make any other changes. Okay, and, and I was like, "Oh, and, we're and screwed." Like, yeah, and somehow you know, Cespedes came. Nationals had a slow start, and that you was know, wild. This is this, this is a Mets podcast, people. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's a Mets and Jets podcast. But exactly. before we move on, there's something else I actually wanted uh, to touch on, but. I did want to ask you, do you miss Terry Collins? Do I, you know I love Terry. I love Terry, too. Love Terry, man. Asses in the jackpot, <laughs> baby. Let's go. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. I love Terry. He loved the team. But how would you compare him to Callaway? And are you on the Callaway train? Do you think Callaway's a future manager of this team? Or do you think he's a fall guy between now and when we become winners? I never really liked Callaway that much. Okay. Um, I thought Terry was the fall guy, but I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. But I saw like Callaway's energy. Going back to your point, he's not like how Wagon Van Wagenen, uh, you know, appears to be right now, or how Rex Ryan was. He his energy is different. It's very lovey dovey. So do you think? I, I don't like that vibe. I don't. He, I, well, here's what I think. I think here's a guy who literally didn't know how to get his bench coach to uh, submit a lineup on time. Here's yeah, a guy. Here's a guy in post game interviews makes an excuse. Oh, it's Coors Field. Don't worry about it. And tells his pitchers, ah, F it. It's Coors. Oh, don't worry. What it's happens Coors. in Coors, it stays in Coors. Are you kidding me? I, 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 yeah, so, it's a little messed up. So I'm not a huge Mickey Callaway guy. I actually believe in Van Wagenen more right now. Do you think Cal- Do you think Van Wagenen's going to replace him? Because after this past season, I mean, it's not a good start he for Callaway. Listen, I'm sipping the, the wag swag, man. So. Sipping the wags. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sipping the <laughs> wag swag. Wag swag. Brody uh, Van Wagenen. That's it, right? That's it, man. I think I'm getting it. I'm going to say it 10 times before I go to sleep tonight. That's like me reading uh, people's names, like Syndergaard or like DeGrom. And if, like, all right, every year, you look at the new prospects. Like, who the hell is this guy they drafted? Or like, they traded for who? And like, mm-hmm. try to learn how to pronounce their names. Yep. Travis Darnold. Dar- like, that Dar- one threw me oh, off for a yeah. while. Oh, I call yeah. him like Denard for the yeah, longest he's time. He's TD. He was TD for years. For TD? Me. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he turned out to be a bust. Oh, rest, in peace. rest in peace, R.A. Dickey. But I wanted to move on to something else. All right, flip it. So a little birdie told me that you are pretty hyped about Resident Evil 2. Oh, What's yeah, about baby. to drop? Oh, January, baby. Let's well, I go. remember, I think the last time we spoke, you played all those, uh, the remakes on the GameCube, like Resident Evil 0, 1, 2. Like, so tell me, what's got you hyped for Resident Evil 2? Well, Res- tell me about it. Resident Evil is my favorite, um, probably, actually, yeah, I would say my favorite video game franchise. No kidding. Um, and how far back does your history with uh, Resident Evil go? What was the first one you played? Since the first one, since PlayStation. Since the first one on uh, yeah, PlayStation. I was, so you've been there since the beginning. So I was, yeah, so um, my brother's four years older than I am, so okay. um, he was in the age where, like, it was, like, geared toward more towards him, you know? I was, I was younger. So I think like, the first one came out in 98, um, or 96, and the second one came out in 98, I believe. And so, 
I I was about eight years old there at nine and ninety eight. So uh, I would almost watch my brother like a movie. And so my job, in a way, was like to memorize the maps and like what doors were had which things. And like I was just watching play because I was too scared to play. Yeah. Um, and it was ridiculously difficult for an eight year old. Um, but the Resident Evil remake for GameCube. Um, it's also called Resident Evil um, Origins for PS4 and Xbox One. Um, pick that up. That is the best Resident Evil game of all time. And that's the remastered version. When did that drop? Um, 2002, GameCube released the Resident Evil mm-hmm. remake of the 96 classic. Right. The Origins, I think, dropped, I want to say, maybe 2016, 2017. When Resident Evil 7 came out in 2017. So 2016 yeah. um, was the Origins. Was the Origins which and you're is saying awesome. that's the best incarnation of the series yet? That's my favorite, yes. That's your favorite. And are you looking forward to Resident Evil 2 coming out? Dude, I, I, I can't yeah. wait. I, dude, I, I'm, this is how crazy I am. Not only did I pre-order the collector's set and everything, I got from like some Resident Evil fan page from like Europe, I bought the Resident Evil 2 board game. <laughs> <laughs> it's going yeah, to be sick. Like, I want to make crazy. Oh, we got to play it. We oh, got to play it. I'm making crazy drinking rules out of it. Like, Please oh, do. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I'm into it. Full I'm into like it D&D hard. nerd Resident Evil chugging beers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it. Oh, it's going to be sick. So dude. into it. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's from awesome. Europe? Is it in English or? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I've been getting emails for this like year about like um, just like what the Miles type looks like. And like they have like the, the, the Resident Evil fans would know the giant crocodile and shit. Like I have like a toy crocodile coming in. It's going to be crazy. It's crazy collectible Holy stuff. Um, we're looking forward to that. What I love about Resident Evil, um, and which is different than other games have came close to or tried to replicate, is that their idea of that challenging where you don't know what to do, but like you kind of know what to do. And like, it's not too frustratingly hard, but it's difficult enough where it's like, you feel like you just want to talk about it after you play. Like, dude, dude, you beat that part. Yeah, this part's nuts. Where like other one player games like Mario and stuff or kid friendly, this is more like Mario 64, but adult idea. Yes. Well, I think, I think one of the things that make the game so thrilling is it forces you to think on your feet quickly. It's like, you know, you could be walking down a long, ha- uh, long hallway and then something pops out at you that you either have to kill or run from or there's some kind of hostage thing going on. It forces you to think on your feet. And I know when I was a kid, because I came from a similar, similar, bleh, similar situation to you. <laughs> yeah. I had a brother who was five years older than me, so I grew up right, watching right, right. him. I grew up watching him play a bunch of those games I couldn't grasp yet. And, man, Resident Evil always <sighs> captivated me. I think one of the things I love the most about the GameCube incarnations is, like, you would walk into a room, and it wasn't even, like, the room. It was you and then the room. It was almost like you were part of the room, and it was almost like a flat painting. And it's like you weren't aiming the way you would in Goldeneye. It's like <laughs> your character was third person standing at the corner, and then you had to basically put your marker wherever the zombie popped out so from. So they call it fixed camera? Fixed camera. Okay, so um, I, the technology at the time wasn't how it is today. Right. So it wasn't like how re- people love Resident Evil 4, and that's like over the shoulder and more action-oriented. And more third person. Right, right. Yeah. So this is basically like a fixed camera. So the rooms created personalities. Yeah. So the music, the soundtrack mm-hmm. created that atmosphere. And basically, like, you would only see part of the room or the hallway. And you had to go f- further down to see the next part of the hallway. And you just hear shit. And you're like, oh, god damn it. I can't see what's going on. And that frustration, in a way, like, it's almost like that can't be kind of, like, be horror movie, like, joy that you loved. Um, well, I think it's more, it's more, um, it's more, like, encapsulating than a horror movie because you're actually, like, inside of it. Like, you have, right, right, you have right. your own progress at stake. Like, your life isn't at stake, so it's not completely real. But, like, your progress is at stake. You know, but you but get, also has that um, scariness to it. But also oh, absolutely. The charm to it, like that B horror movie mm-hmm. charm. Some of the dialogue, like there's a part where like you um, you find like a shotgun on the on the wall and you pick it up and once you you pick it up and you leave to go back to the room where you came and as you go back the door is locked behind you and the wall the ceiling wall comes down to crush you and right before you get crushed you know when the character saves you. And, and and your name is Jill, 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 Jill Mal- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Well, you almost became a Jill sandwich," and like, <laughs> and, and like stupid dialogue <laughs> like that, you know. And like, if you really want the shotgun, you have to have, a, have find a toy shotgun, and that that's, so that weight that wall. weight holds the wall weight to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think yeah. my favorite dialogue ever from Resident Evil is I don't know if you'll be able to guess it, but the "What are you buying?" Oh, of course. What are you selling? Of course. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, Thank you. <laughs> I'll buy it at a high price. Of course. For Resident Evil 4 Street Merchant, yeah. Uh, those were classics. Uh, you have anything else you're looking forward to? You pretty much tunnel vision on the Resident Evil uh, series right now. So, I'm 
you know, everyone's Smash. Everyone's a huge Super Smash fan. Everyone's getting geared um, up for Smash. I'm not a sure. huge Smash fan. I do enjoy it. I play it. I do yep. have the Switch. Um, I love King K. Rule. Um, he's a Donkey Kong villain that forgotten, just got dropped. Forgotten. Yep. Oh, but remember now. He's coming back now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he hasn't been in a game since Mario's Super Sluggers Baseball for the Nintendo Wii. And he hasn't been a canon villain since Donkey Kong 64. Yes, correct. And that's the last time um, he was a canonical villain. So... I can't believe he's coming back. I love King K. Rule. Donkey Kong Country series. Love it. It's my favorite platformer of all time. Love it. You know what's funny is I have such, like, some of the earliest memories I have are playing that game with Jenna oh. at her house. It's so dude, ironic dude, you say that. Yeah, dude. It's those nice. are some of my earliest oh, memories. Oh, it's so good. The, the way those crocs make the noises when you jump dude, on them. And the sprites are beautiful. I, I mean, know. so far ahead of its time. And the, paint, the, the backdrops are like paintings. It's hard to believe some of those backdrops are made out of pixels. Don, I, I agree. The Donkey Kong Country series was not only immaculate, but just ahead of its time graphically. It's hard to believe that was on a 16-bit Super Nintendo system. And that soundtrack is epic. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I To this day, I could hear the title screen in my head. Again, going to back to how crazy of like a person I like when I commute, how I told you I listen to, I watch Dash Listen. I don't fully watch. I don't want to get pulled over, cops. But I watch <laughs> Dash Listen to... Uh, you know, like the Donkey Kong Country 64 soundtrack, or oh, or my or this or, or Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, the mm-hmm. best platformer of all time. Oh, bold statement, bold statement, but a good a good one. Listen, I'm, I'm not. A good one. There's other ones that you can make a case, like you know, what I mean, like Super Mario World, or I'm not a huge 3 3D, 3D platformer person. Okay, but I appreciate Mario 64, Banjo Kazooie, yeah. right? Um, but the soundtrack in that game. Oh, God, it's so good. Beautiful. I almost missed the charm of all those uh, mini soundtracks. I don't know if you're a big Dragon Quest fan or if you ever played any Dragon um, Quest games. I, I know. Of, it's more RPG element, yeah, though, that's no? That's more RPG okay. element. I was just bringing it up because... Um, For Super Nintendo, right? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I, I'm just bringing it up because... And I think it has something to do with the com- more of the composer rather than doing this purposely. But even in their most recent incarnation, Dragon Quest XI, which is dropping on PS4 and Switch, they kept the MIDI soundtrack. From the old days, because there's something about like video oh. game MIDI soundtracks that are just beautiful. Dude, Switch is. I mean, I, I just picked it up. I, w- I went to Mexico actually for a wedding, and um, awesome. it was like a seven hour trip. So I need to, you know, keep something me busy. To entertain you. Yeah. So I got Switch. Mega Man Eleven is amazing. Fire, awesome. I've been the, eyeing that for a little the while. Soundtrack I've been as, it. As, as the soundtrack isn't as I said. Soundtrack is is probably the worst thing about the game. But okay. as far as the challenging level, it's all. Which awesome. is a shame because Mega Man usually has. I a know, great I know. Soundtrack. The Doctor Wily Castle, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a rec- if you like Mega Man, a good cha- platform a good challenge. Yeah, yeah. I'll give that a shot. Um, have you played the most recent Switch games? I've played are actually Starlink and Super Mario Party. Have you gotten your hands on either one of those? Um, I'm not a sorry, but I, like I don't want to lose respect to the video game community. No, here. you won't. You won't. You uh, I'm not a huge uh, Legend of Zelda fan. Oh, oh Starlink is uh, Ubisoft. Oh, it's okay, the one no, Star Fox okay. is featured in. Oh, the, okay, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. shoot, I didn't realize. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah so I'm new to gotcha the Switch. Just got, just got, just got a, a week ago, folks. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I have not played that yet. The new Star Fox. Is, I played the one for Wii U, but I have this. this oh, the is Zero? Similar, this is similar to that? Zero no? was all right. The controls were a little hard to get a grasp of, but by the time you had a grasp of them, the game was a lot of fun. How was this? How was this one? They should just give the keys to Ubisoft. If Nintendo had any... Any wisdom, they would just give the keys to Ubisoft and let them make the Star Fox games. Nintendo stopped developing the Star Fox games after 64, because after that they gave it to Rareware, and then they gave yeah, it well, to the, Capcom. The GameCube was a disaster. Yeah, 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 they just kept passing it on to these different third parties, and some of them did well. I thought Capcom did well with Star Fox Assault, but if they were smart, they would just let Ubisoft develop the next full-fledged Star Fox game. Because I don't know, are you familiar with No Man's Sky at all? I'm not a sh- is that Star Fox or no? No, no, no. No Man's Sky is a completely different franchise. No, I'm, I'm so, not. So just to paint a broad picture, basically with No Man's Sky, the intent of the game was you could just travel from planet to planet and this algorithm just created infinite galaxies, infinite planets. And what you do is you travel from planet to planet and you discover things. You discover new species, you discover new flora, you discover just even just new planets. What Ubisoft did is they combined that style of play basically with your traditional Star Fox game. And when you go on these planets, you colonize them, you build outposts, you build armories, um, you, you build factories. It's so immersive, and there's like three different kinds of game modes going on at once. So I think if Nintendo had any mind, they would just give the keys to Ubisoft, because it's probably the best space shooter I've played in a very long time. Um, what's the name of the new Star Fox called? Starlink Battle for Atlas. And is it, is it like like style of the N64 version? or No, it's not a rail shooter. Um, it's it's honestly like an open world space game. 
So it's like it's basically like you're in all range mode constantly. Oh, I'll check it out. So it's not a rail shooter, but it's... I, I just love the voices of Star Fox, dude. They All the old voice actors came back. All uh, the ones from 64. Is Pigma, is Pigma in it? No. Oh, uh, no spoilers. Okay, no okay. spoilers. Pigma? Yes. Got a cut. Got a cut. Here's what I'll say. Andrew? Here's what I'll say. Oh, my God. Here's what I'll say. Star Wolf's voice actor? Immaculate. Okay. I'm a big Star Wolf guy. All right. Nice, nice. So uh, what about Super Mario Party? Have you gotten your hands uh, on that yet? I... One round I played briefly. One round? Um, it's, it's fun. The, the game... I love it. The game I liked a lot. Um, there was one game you had like... Uh, something, you, had to, you had a camera picture and you had a fight to get into the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paparazzi, yeah, slap yeah, like push each other yeah, out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. I thought it was a very old school right. feel to it. That felt yeah. like... I was back playing on the, the couch playing 64. That I liked a lot. Well, I don't think I don't think the new one is better than the the original trilogy. I'll call it because the N sixty four ones are always going to be a classic. But what I loved about what they did with this one is they simplified it. They didn't try to do too much. The boards are smaller. The dice blocks have uh, lower numbers on them. They didn't try to overdo it, and they kept a lot of the stuff simple, which is what I liked. And like you said, a lot of the uh, a lot of the new mini games have kind of that old Mario Party feel to them. I, I agree. Let me ask you the question now. Go for it. Mount Rushmore. I know Mount Rushmore season's over. Okay. Mount Rushmore of... And I actually just thought of this on the spot, so I didn't have time to prep, but... Okay. No prep here. No prep. Um, well, Mount Rushmore of favorite video games. Mount Rushmore favorite video games. So I have to pick four of my favorite video games. Can I make this easier? Can I pick four of my favorite video game characters? Okay. No, you know what? No, I'll humor you. I'll go with my four favorite videos. Listen, so, listen. There's so always going to be one like, oh, honorable mention. So, you know. I got you. I'm going to put, it's tough. It's very tough. So, I'm just going to try and pick four. I'm going to give a tie for first between Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It depends what day it is, which one I like No more. Ocarina of Time? No, I love Ocarina. I love Ocarina. It's one of my favorite games of all time, but I thought Majora's Mask was the better story. I thought they mastered the controls and the engine better. And what I'll give Ocarina is Ocarina had the better soundtrack. So I'll give that to Ocarina. So I put a tie between Majora's Mask and Breath of the Wild up and, there. And, one. and the Water Temple. I love the Water Temple. <laughs> I love the, you know, I once did the Water Temple drunk where every time I got hit by an enemy, I had to take a drink. And like, I actually flew that, during that trial. I flew through the Water Temple quicker than I ever did, but the final boss took me uh. probably 45 minutes to an hour because I was so smashed. <laughs> now, moving on from that. Number two. Number two's tough. I'm not going to put them in any order, actually, because that's just going to make things harder, and we're going to drag this on for another hour. But <laughs> Persona, I just finished it. Persona 5. I don't know if you ever played a Persona game. I have not, no. Just played Persona 5. Absolutely immaculate. Highly recommend to everybody. The thing is, it's a 120-hour game. So, definitely not for the faint of heart. Well, I, I enjoy, like, Fallout and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, then, yeah. yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine if you have time to, to dive in. Well, that's the thing. Well, the time is... Uh... <laughs> that's always the factor. Yeah. Um, number three. Or n- number three and number four. This is, this is going to be tough. Uh... This thing I right. have to give it to Star Fox 64 because I played that game endlessly. So many times. Right, so many may not be like the best games. The best, like, it's what, like my favorite. favorite to play? The ones so, that I keep coming back to. Right, so it's your Mount Rushmore. It's not N64, the Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore, N64 Mount Rushmore. It's my Mount it's, Rushmore. It's Landy Lodge official. The Landy Lodge official. Well, we're not going to put the official on it, but oh, depending, depending, depending Mount Rushmore. Because it's a good idea. I might want to talk about right, right. it for a little bit. All right, I'm saying you, so, you should have like, like a question where you ask guests what their Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore video games. That's a good idea. I'm just saying, you know. That's you know, a good idea. Landy, no, Landy lingering on, you know. Landy lingering on the Mount Rushmore, Rushmore video games. That's it. That's I like it. it. So I got Persona, I got Zelda, Persona <laughs> 5, Star Fox, and my number four would have to be Soul Calibur 2. Oh, that's a good game. I've got, a, I've got an affinity for fighting games, and man, the amount of hours I poured into Soul Calibur 2 were just a goddamn blast. I- I probably played the first one from Dreamcast more, but the second one is very good. Yeah, both are excellent. So there's my Mount Rushmore. We got a little bit of time left if you want to squeeze in yours. I know there was no prep. I was no, no prep. prep. I, I was no prep. Swear to God, no prep. As you were thinking, I, I have thought of mine in the past, and it's tough. Because I, I'm a huge Resident Evil f- fan, I'm not a huge single-player guy, mm-hmm. but I would put the Resident Evil um, GameCube version, so 2002 or the remake, as one of them. The OG? Yeah, I would cool. put I would put it there. All right. Um, one sports game I gotta do it. It's a sports game mixed with like role playing, like leveling up, cool. RPG element, NBA NBA hang time for N sixty four. Old school. Okay, it, it's mixed. You have to create your own character, level up. 
Um, with but it's just like NBA Jam four players. Sweet. Um, so I, I put that's hang, awesome. NBA hang time is two. Uh, um, that's what I have to think because it's so, like I. It's so tough because I love the original the original Mario Party for N sixty four. It may have to be so there. much fun. It may have that's to be there. That's fair. That's fair. And then four. It's a rare. It's a game you may have not heard of, but it's. Um, Heroes Three: Might of Magic. Yep, no, I've heard okay, of it. Okay, okay, it's yeah. it's such good memories. Like I played those with my dad growing up, and uh, the the Steam made a remaster of it, so you can still play Ooh. it today. And that I talk about a, the I, like re- that. I have never played a game where the replay value is so high. Where you talk about Skyrim or Fallout or these other games where it's so many amount of hours, but like those are because it's like quests and missions. Yeah. This is like the replay value is different every time. Right. You know, so it's great. Cool. Well, I think we, we have to wrap it up from there. All as right. much as I would have loved to continue this conversation, we'll That's have to it. carry it over That's into the it. next one. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number five. Patchman, please tell the people where they can find you. Patchman Phil, Instagram. Um, look forward to uh, hopefully see you at the Met game this year. If not, come follow me. See how crazy uh, my fa- fandom is, man. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Phil, thanks for coming out. Let's do it, baby. Put it in the books. Put it in the books.